Can the Utah Jazz be this year's version of the last year's Sacramento Kings and outperform their talent levels compared to the rest of the mighty Western Conference? Find out next on Locked On Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into Locked On Jazz. I'm Leif Tulin, and as always, excited to be with you on Locked On Jazz. And we're almost at basketball season, which is my happy time. I'm a lifelong Utah Jazz fan who's a credentialed NBA draft analyst for Locked On NBA Big Board, attendee of the 2023 Combine, Jazz broadcast assistant, statistician, and lover of college basketball. So expect, you know, geeky numbers for that. But today, the geeky numbers come back that you're accustomed to and love with David Locke. I'm going to delve into some geeky numbers of my own and break down why the Utah Jazz can outperform their talent level and maybe compare them to a team that overachieved last year in the Sacramento Kings. Thanks for making Locked On Jazz your first listen every day. And remember, you want us to grow. Uh, the best way to do so is listen on all our platforms, including YouTube at Locked On Jazz, where the best way to help us grow is comment anything below. And today's question is, can the Jazz be the surprise of the West this season and how so? I'd love to see your reactions, and I may not respond to them, but I, I do read them, and I, I appreciate those of you who engage in this and, and all of you guys who listen. All right, in the first segment, I'll compare the talent of the 2023-2024 Utah Jazz with that of the third-seeded Sacramento Kings from last season and give us a pitch as to why the Jazz could be this year's overachiever and how it can happen. In the second segment, I'll rank out which of the teams in the Western Conference are beyond the jazz and talent I'll, I'll rank the talent level of all the teams in the western conference in tiers and and I'll, you'll see how i'm going to do that and i think it's going to have a lot to do with just star power sheer unadulterated talent and then lastly after ranking the jazz's talent levels and explaining why they can be similar to last season's kings i will outline what will have to happen for the jazz to reach the playoffs and compete beginning with the coaching philosophy that i think the jazz will have to employ all righty let's dive right in why can the Utah Jazz be this year's version of the Sacramento Kings? And what I mean by that is the Sacramento Kings were the three seed in the West, finished the year 48 and 34, finished third in the Western Conference, averaging 120.7 points per game. Uh, they allowed opponents 118.1, which was 25th, they, and their scoring was the best in the, in the NBA, which was 100, basically 121 points a game. The offensive rating was 119.4, which essentially means per 100 possessions, they score 119 at points and a little bit, if you if you guys are technical, 119.4 points per 100 possessions, which is also first out of 30. And defensive rating was 25th, allowing 116.8 points per game per 100 possessions. Their net rating then, if you if you do the math, is plus 2.6, which is 8th out of 30, meaning they're the 8th best team in the NBA. Can the Jazz be the 8th best team in the NBA? It's unlikely. I don't know if you could even say the Kings were the 8th best team in the NBA, but according to the regular season, they were. And that's what gets you into the playoffs, and what you need to do is get into the playoffs. So once they were in the playoffs, the Kings lost in 7 games to the Golden State Warriors. This wasn't the Warriors of old, but it's still impressive to, uh, to win 3 games against a good team. And I think the Jazz and the Kings are more similar than people may think. Let's compare the talent levels, just, just one to one. Uh, the Kings' best player is De'Aaron Fox. The Jazz's best player is Lowry Markin. They're in a similar tier, if you ask me. If you were to rank them, uh, I would say that they're not too dissimilar. Fox averaged 25.6 assists and four rebounds, but he was all NBA. And so we'll give the nod to De'Aaron Fox. 
that said, Lowry marketing to me isn't that dissimilar from De'Aaron Fox. I think what he does may even be more coveted because of how rare it is. At seven feet tall, being a 50-40-90 guy is pretty rare to me. So, you know, we'll, we'll say we'll say slight advantage Kings, but not, not crazy. DeMontis Sabonis versus Walker Kessler in terms of the team's second best player. Uh, Sabonis is ahead. But because but he was a large reason that they were unable to win in the playoffs because he could not rebound and he was played off the court by Kavon Looney. Like Demonta Sabonis is an excellent player, but he comes with serious deficiencies in the way modern basketball is played. He was a minus forty nine in a seven game series, meaning that they won some of these games and in fact they won a few, uh, one or two of them pretty handily. Yet Demonta Sabonis was a minus forty nine in those games. Uh, Kevon Looney averaged over 15 rebounds per game and DeMontis Sabonis averaged 12 rebounds per game in the regular season. He was a shell of himself in the postseason due to what Looney's work ethic was. And, and Sabonis is a, uh, drop coverage big. Who's not good at it right now. If you're going to be a drop coverage big and you're not switchable, you're going to have to excel at it. And that's going to be the, the course of your defense. Well, Sabonis is bad. Kessler is excellent defensively. He may be a better playoff player than Sabonis, but Sabonis is the better player right now. According to win shares, Harrison Barnes was narrowly the Kings' third best player. He averaged 11 points per game in the playoffs, 24% from three, and it was 15, point, uh, 15 points per game, basically, in the regular season with 4.5 rebounds. Okay, that's a solid player. Harrison, there's no slide at Harrison Barnes. I don't think that that's going to be better than what the Jazz's third best player is, though. Kevin Herter, according to Winchairs, is the fourth best player. He was absolutely played off the court. This is why I was against Grady Dick. For those of you who listen to my draft coverage, Kevin Herter, I think, is about as high of an outcome player as Grady Dick can be, but Kevin Herter was unable to play in the playoffs. His archetype of player is, you know, a shot maker who bends the defense, but if he's not making shots, he's a bad defender, and he wasn't making shots, and he doesn't do anything great off the bounce yet he's far more advanced than grady dick on that all right so that that's aside from the point but here's some statistics for you he was played off the point of the court and he couldn't guard and that meant davion mitchell had a special assignment in chasing Stephen curry that makes sense kevin Herter scored just 64 points in seven games and that's under 10 a game obviously he had negative offensive win shares for a team that was the best offensive team in the league throughout the regular season and he, his negative win shares were so poor, he had a minus 4.6 OBPM. That's defined as offensive box plus minus. A box score estimate of the offensive points per 100 possessions a player contributed above a league average player translated to a team. So typically your fourth best player on a team that's number three in the West will be well above league average. So I think this is a good metric to define his value. Well, he was negative 4.6. Granted, playoff series. But you need your playoff series. You need a player to be a good performer in that. And Kevin Herter was far from that. In fact, he was played off of the court. And then the and he shot 20% from three in the playoffs. He's one of the better shooters in the NBA throughout the regular season. I, I think the Jazz have four players better than Kevin Herter on their roster. All right, fifth was Keegan Murray. Murray performed admirably as a rookie, but still scored under 10 per game in the playoffs. And this is a team who had a, like, they were rated number one in scoring. Their efficiency was awesome. Mike Brown decided we're going to push the pace. We're going to run. And Mike Brown's been a defensive coach, but I don't even think he, he was like able to implement his defense. He was like, well, you know what? This team is not going to be good defensively. Let's just run. I think the Jazz have the capacity to be good defensively. And offensively, the Jazz already, 
even though they were young and they were really learning on the fly last year and Will Hardy's first year, I, I think that there's a very real chance they can be a good defensive team as Walker Kessler gets more minutes, the Jazz get bigger, more athletic, and they play more of these positionless lineups that uh, implement kind of the strategic stuff that Cleveland popularized playing Larry Markin at three. Obviously, Markin's now our three, and you know you could play Agbaji at the point and Sexton. Say what you will, he's a little bit diminutive, but he is a dog defensively. All right, now let's compare the Kings to the Jazz. Lowry is the same echelon of player as Fox and could even gain more value this season if he plays the ball in his hands more and creates for himself and others well. But let's give the nod to Fox due to his all-NBA caliber this past season. But Lowry's a 7-foot, 40-50-90 guy who's a plus defender. I don't think that one's far off. Kessler's not as good as Sabonis, but his game may be more conducive to winning. I mentioned that. In today's basketball, we're rebounding and defensive versatility and being an anchor at the rim are extremely important for centers. So 2-0 Kings right now. But this is where it gets interesting. John Collins, to me, is the Jazz's third best player. I know he had a down year last year, but if you look at what he is in a vacuum, I think he's a far better player than Harrison Barnes at this point. John Collins had one of his worst seasons last year and put up pretty much equal stat lines for a heliocentric offense in the Atlanta Hawks that used him as the fourth option, as Harrison Barnes was as the third option for a team that ran and pushed the pace and allowed him to do what he does best, spot up and slash. Uh, so that's one thing. I've likened John Collins to Aaron Gordon or before that, Andrew Wiggins in terms of superb athletes, not necessarily as players who can alter their game to impact winning. I'm not saying that the Jazz are going to win the championship like those two teams, uh, the Warriors and the Nuggets have done the last two years, but he won't be the, and John Collins won't be the 22-10 guy he was in year three in Atlanta. But in the Eastern Conference Finals run, that with the Hawks a couple of years ago, he averaged 14 and nine. I think he can exceed that scoring output for the Jazz and do similarly should the Jazz reach the playoffs. I, I would take John Collins pretty confidently over Harrison Barnes. Kevin Herter is number four for the Hawks, and Jordan Clarkson is number four for the Jazz. I would argue Clarkson is better just from watching, but I, I watched the two play for years. I, I watched tons of basketball. But for those of you who need stats, here you go. Clarkson averages 17 points per game in the playoffs as a member of the Jazz. That's a, that's as a player that has drawn more attention than Herter did for the Hawks or the Kings. His OBPM in comparison to Herter's negative was a positive 3.6 for the Jazz's last playoff run, which was the Jazz's worst team, and they were beaten in the first round, much like the Kings were to the Warriors against the Mavericks. Uh, Clarkson was drawing high levels of defensive uh, intensity from the Jason Kidd-led Mavericks, who were excellent defensively in that series. And even then... Clarkson's numbers dwarf herders. And then if you look at regular season counting stats, Clarkson scores more per game. He shot better for, from three in the playoffs. And I would argue Jordan Clarkson's a better defender than Kevin Herter. So advantage jazz fifth. It's as interesting as it gets because the Jazz's weakness is the point guard position, though the future may be there in Keontae George. Keegan Murray was fifth for the Kings. The jazz have a guy in Colin Sexton, who I assume will be the starter who once scored over 23 points per game in the NBA. Murray is a prototype role player, and I think there is value for that. Like, his numbers don't wow you as a rookie, but what he did was excellent. He, he really was efficient. He really played his role exceptionally well. He was a great fifth-best player on a team. But Sexton, it's hard to say this rookie who put up those type of numbers is better than Colin Sexton, who in his early years put up over 20 points a game multiple times. That's hard to do. Like it's hard at the NBA level. I don't care if you're on a bad team and they're empty calorie stats, which they may have been, but it's hard to score that efficiently. It's hard to score that much, even if inefficiently. And Sexton, 
even last year, despite injuries, was still a relatively efficient player. He just needs to learn the point guard. I would say this one's a bit of a wash. So the question is for the bench. I would argue Malik Monk is the better player overall than either Kelly or Ochai. And I know there's a chance that Clarkson comes off the bench. I don't think he will. But I think Monk's better than Kelly or Ochai. But I would take the Jazz overall bench depth over the Kings. It's it's worth wondering if playing hard and embracing playing fast, or at least embracing a unique style, something that is analytically derived and adhering to it um, to achieve pace or to play with greater size, do something that's different from the rest, zigging while everyone else is zagging and just playing harder than teams like the Grizzlies have. The Grizzlies, when they first broke onto the scene and got their first high seed two years ago, I think they just played harder than everyone. I don't think they necessarily were that much better. Like they beat the Timberwolves in the first round and then lost easily against the Warriors, but they just played harder than people and they got home court advantage. Can the Jazz do that? They play offensive style where it's run and gun or they they shoot more threes than people or defensively they play a huge lineup. I think they, the Jazz could do this. And I think they have an, a guy that has the ingenuity in Will Hardy to make this happen. So I, I actually believe that the Jazz can overachieve and be this year's Sacramento Kings. Coming up next, I'll rank out the Western Conference in terms of talent alone and then discuss where the Jazz slot in. But first, let's talk about DoorDash. You need fresh groceries for the week but don't have the time to go to the store? I've been there. You try grocery delivery from DoorDash. You'll get everything you want delivered when you need it right to your front door. You've trusted DoorDash for plenty of things. Your favorite restaurants, they deliver it to you hot and ready. And now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers to you as well. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best one in your neighborhood, your favorite stuff. If you want a specific thing, DoorDash will have it. Boost your local economy with each and every order, and you'll get exactly what you ordered. We'll, or, and if they, if they somehow don't, they'll make it absolutely right. So sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you picked them out in the store and save yourself some time. That's 50% off up to 20, uh, up to $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees for your first order. Like that's that's really really hard to to uh, pass up. Want the more value you can save all your grocery and restaurant favorites with a zero dollar delivery free on all eligible orders with a DoorDash membership. Get fifty percent off your first DoorDash and order up to a twenty dollar value when you use code Locked On NBA at checkout. Limited time offer. Terms apply. That's fifty percent off up to twenty dollars. No minimum sub total and zero delivery fees on your first order. Pretty awesome deal. Get the DoorDash app on your app store and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget, that's Locked On NBA for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. Welcome back in to Locked On Jazz. And thanks for making it your first listen. For those of you who do it, I always appreciate it. Later this week, look forward to hearing more about who holds the keys to the Jazz's success this season. We'll, we'll touch on it a little bit here, but I have a podcast planned uh, later in this week for how the Jazz can achieve these goals with an, with an emphasis on the individuals. All right, now let's rank the West in terms of talent. I think this is going to be a sobering exercise for the Utah Jazz at times. All right, I've divided this into tiers, and I, I think this is pretty self-explanatory. The tier one is the Nuggets, because they have arguably the best player in the NBA, Nikola Jokic. They have another guy in Jamal Murray that has proven in the playoffs that he is among the best in, in the NBA top 20 player in the playoffs. They have plenty of other players in Aaron Gordon and, and uh, of course, Michael Porter Jr. And players that support Nikola Jokic to what he needs support with 
admirably and well. Defending champions. I think that one's easy. The Phoenix Suns, I think, have the most individual talent, but they have the least depth. Kevin Durant is still phenomenal. If you were to ask me personally who's a better player between him and Nikola Jokic, I'd probably still take Kevin Durant if, if he's healthy. Kevin Durant, to me, is exceptional. Don't necessarily like him, but his talent is regard, regardless unbelievable. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal. Three of the most talented scorers in the NBA, all on the same team. That team's going to be a handful. Now, how do they support them? I'm not sure. That team's more talented than the Utah Jazz. The Los Angeles Clippers, that's the top, That's the end of Tier 1. The Los Angeles Clippers are the last team in Tier 1. Kawhi Leonard is still phenomenal when he plays. Paul George, same thing. This team is filled with guys that defend, that have length. I mean, Terrence Mann, the Jazz, know exactly what he's all about. He's only gotten better, and you can make an argument he's like the fifth or sixth best player. And, and I think the Clippers have a recipe with, with players like Norman Powell, all these guys who are physical and strong to disrupt and defend any team. And they can score on any team playing any given style. It's about health for them. That's the end of tier one, tier two, the Los Angeles Lakers and the golden state warriors. The Los Angeles Lakers have two premier superstars. Even though LeBron James is aging, he is still unbelievable. Anthony Davis, despite his injury woes, when he is playing at his best and he is healthy, he's among one of the best players in the NBA. And and they have supported their cast very well. Austin Reeves went on the FIBA tour and made an absolute name for himself. He was phenomenal. Rui Hachimura played excellently in the playoffs. The, the Lakers surrounded their cast with depth. The Jazz fans know Jared Vanderbilt. He fit very well with that team. And the Lakers gained more and more depth, and they were just a Western Conference Finals team. It's hard to argue with them being more talented than the Jazz. As for the Warriors, I think they're declining, but Stephen Curry – is a game changer that the Jazz do not have. Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. That's the core. There's more there, though. Andrew Wiggins is really, really good. Andrew Wiggins and Lowry Markham aren't that dissimilar as players. Lowry, to me, is better at this point, but Wiggins was just the what put them over the top to win a championship not too long ago. Chris Paul is also there, and I think there's going to be some acclimation. Kevon Looney's a phenomenal uh, role player. I'll be curious to see what the Warriors are. I think they've got some youthful pieces, and if they grow, they could maybe contend. But that's a team that's more talented than the Utah Jazz at the top end. That's the end of Tier 2. Now we're into Tier 3. I've got the New Orleans Pelicans and the Memphis Grizzlies. The, I have a, in asterisks here that the Memphis Grizzlies should finish higher than where I have them. That, that, that would put them at the seventh best team. John Morant does miss some time at the beginning of the season. They added Marcus Smart. Jaron Jackson Jr. has taken a lot of uh, criticism for his lack of rebounding in the FIBA, but he's the rainy defensive player of the year. He's a stretch five who can space the floor, uh, the floor, knock down threes, defend, and play a ton of minutes if he's not fouling and, and really influence the game for all the minutes he's on the court. Desmond Bain is a near all-star who shoots the lights out, and the team has a lot of players that know their role. That's a better team. The Pelicans, I know, didn't make the playoffs and actually weren't that good. Zion Williamson is unreal when he's playing. His efficiency and he, the teams know he wants to go left. Everyone knows it. Can't stop it. Brandon Ingram is one of the most underrated players in the NBA to me. He's someone who scores 23 to 26 points a game, gets you uh, five, six rebounds, five, six assists, does so on good efficiency, and tries hard on defense. Trey Murphy is hurt for the beginning of the season. I think he was going to be my most improved player of the year candidate. One of the best shooters in the NBA, three and D up and comer. Herb Jones, phenomenal defender. CJ McCollum, stalwart, heady, vetty, uh, 
heady veteran guard who knows how to play and will guide them when they're uncertain. They still have Jonas Valanciunas. They still have got a depth on their bench and they, they have a good culture under Willie Green. That team, I think, will be good this year. I wish Trey Murphy weren't hurt, though. That, that would be one of my favorite teams to overachieve. Next tier, we're in tier four. We've got the Oklahoma City Thunder. They, they made the play-in last year. They're young. They got a critical piece of talent coming in in Chet Holmgren, along with another rookie in Casey Wallace. Shea Gillis Alexander is sensational. First-team All-NBA caliber player. And the Jazz don't have one of those. And the Jazz don't have the depth of talent that the Thunder have, even if it is youthful. Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic has played five years in the NBA. He's four times been All-NBA. Pretty unbelievable. That, that's all I really got to say about the Mavericks. I don't love the rest of their roster, but they are getting better. They're fitting him with more pieces that are conducive to winning basketball in Dallas, in getting, especially the rookie. I think Derek Lively is going to make a difference this year. But that doesn't really tilt the needle. It, it's just Luka Doncic. Another premier talent, Anthony Edwards for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Rudy Gobert's there. He's going to make their defense better. I think another year with the two bigs, with Cat and Rudy, Kyle Anderson and Rudy, that, that beast result. And then Jade McDaniels, to me, should have been an all-defensive first-team player, maybe even the defensive player of the year. He'll be back. That's a lot of talent. The aforementioned Sacramento Kings are the end of Tier 4 just because they've done it more than the Jazz. I think the Jazz are just as talented as the Kings, but that's the end of Tier 4. Now that's where the Jazz fit in. Okay, so let's count that up. One, two, three in tier three. One, two in tier two. One, two in tier... So that's seven teams. And then there's 11 teams who count the Kings ahead of the Jazz. So to me, the Jazz are either 11th or 12th most talented team in the West. And then that rounding out the rest of the West is the Rockets, the Spurs, and the Blazers. Quite frankly, the Rockets and Blazers don't have horrible rosters. They just don't have the intention of winning yet. The Rockets might. I just don't believe in it yet. And so it, how you're asking me... How can you say this team could be third in the West or make the playoffs and overachieve like the Kings be, but be the 11th or 12th most talented team in the West? I don't know if the Jazz can do what the Kings do, but I think if the Kings did it last year, why can't the Jazz? The one difference is the Jazz don't have top end talent. They've got good depth. I think the top end talent in the West this year is better than it was last year. So maybe harder for the Jazz, but I do think the Jazz have the capacity to do it. And I'll touch on that. But let me just let me just address why for those of you who are saying, you, well, now you're hating on the Jazz's talent, even though you just said they could be a top seed. Well, the Jazz's best player is Lowry Markin. He's a top 25, top 30 player in the NBA. But these teams all possess higher level NBA players. And I'll just rattle them off. Nikola Jokic, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Steph Curry, Zion Williamson. You can make an argument from Brandon, Brandon Ingram. John Morant, Jaron Jackson, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Luca, Anthony Edwards, and De'Aaron Fox. So that's 15 players that are, that are ahead of the Jazz's best player in the West. And then the Jazz's second best player is also in his second year and will need to grow quite a bit to make this leap. I think it's possible. I really do. But that's, that's a hard thing to ask. So the Jazz's future is also in the backcourt. So I think the Jazz... Though they have a chance now to compete, make the playoffs, make overachieve, maybe even be a, a higher seed than I even perceive as possible, it's possible. But I also think that the Jazz's current levels of talent are solid, but what the Jazz have looking forward down the pipeline is more solid. They're more well set up to contend down the future. They're not contenders now. We don't disillusion ourselves to believe that. All right, and if you do, good for you. I wish I was on the same juice as you guys are but the jazz's real chance is more in the future and the jazz's future at the guard position 
is is you know just a few years away. Keontae George. That's the answer. Maybe he'll get there by the end of this year. That'd be awesome. But when your future that's going to be man in the rock isn't there yet, to be able to say, you know what, we could feasibly be a playoff team already is not too shabby whatsoever. Speaking of the capacity to make the playoffs, I'll explain what I think needs to happen for the Utah Jazz to be a playoff team and to overachieve and outperform their talent level, a la the Sacramento Kings from a season ago. But first, a word from Murdoch Chevy. Murdochs have been in Utah for over 80 years. Chevy is as American as American gets. If you think of a truck driving down the road in any of those old movies you watch, it's probably a Chevy, and it totally is. Located in Woods Cross and Logan, there's a great lineup of trucks, a bevy for you to choose from, from the Colorado to the Silverado. And you can look at anything in between. Go to the website and see all the latest details, and they keep their website up to date so you can see what's available, what the prices are, when it's available, and everything in there and in between. There's also an amazing lineup of SUVs with the Tahoe, the Suburban, the Blazer, the Equinox, and the Trax. I've seen all of these, and the people at Murdoch are awesome. So go check yourself into one of these Murdoch Chevys in either Woods Cross or Logan, and let me know what you get. I'm, I'm very curious, and, and let them know you're, you're a Locked On Jazz listener. All righty, welcome back into Locked On Jazz. What seed are the Jazz going to be? What is the timeline for success for the Utah Jazz? These are all questions you may be asking yourself after my, my kind of diatribe about whether the Jazz have top-end talent, where I basically said they're the 11th or 12th most talented team in the West, and I fully believe that. That doesn't mean the Jazz don't have the continuity or the belief that they can make the playoffs. In fact, I believe they can. So how can we accelerate that timeline and get the members of the Jazz that, that will be here for the foreseeable future playoff time? It's invaluable. Will Hardy, that's my first answer. Will Hardy will have to put his team in advantageous positions, whether it's analytically derived. Like you think of the Houston Rockets where they shot a ton, a ton of threes, and they switched everything. I don't know if they'll be that extreme in that, but it's got to be something creative and and uh, unique almost, where the Jazz have to be on the cutting edge and get themselves advantages so they'll be super efficient offensively. I think offensively is where where this will be the most important for the Jazz because if they can be good offensively, they have an eraser in Walker Kessler defensively, and I think the Jazz will take natural strides on the defensive side of the ball. So how does that happen? Just using my intuition and, and what I saw in Summer League, and that's not necessarily a perfect representation, but I think this is true. I think the Jazz are going to need some unique intricacies to what will be their offense and maybe be ahead of their time. I think what's going to happen is Will Hardy believes his players all have superpowers and needs to use them the best way. And, and I'll talk about that later. But the first thing I think the Jazz are going to do is they're going to play more positionless basketball, which means to me that you'll see Jordan Clarkson taking the ball up and it'll be less of a true point guard. You'll see Lowry marketing with the ball in his hands more, which I mentioned was one of the big strides he needs to take to take an ascension and become a level of player that is in that exact same class as De'Aaron Fox. I think it's possible. Uh, I think the Jazz will play big lineups and make their defense better by playing those superb athletes in Collins, Kessler, and Lowry Markinen. Uh, that's not too crazy of a prediction, but I think defensively that team could be pretty awesome if you get some serious buy-in from Collins and Markinen. So Will Hardy talks a lot in his pregame and postgame media out, and just in general. He's, he doesn't hide. He says he, he wants to have his team believe that each of them have superpowers and he wants to play to their strengths, which means plays to their superpowers. So what are those superpowers? And he wants to create chances. I think the way that 
the main, main obvious way that the players play to their superpowers to me starts with Lowry Markin. He's the best player, and I think Lowry Markin needs to be involved even further. Here are the steps for the Jazz, beginning with the big fit. Lowry must improve on the ball, and although he was incredibly efficient, I think the Jazz's ceiling raises. It's able to be higher if he plays more of a creator role, both for himself and for others, because if he's running off pin downs and flyer screens and he shoots at an unbelievable rate like he did, it's awesome. But the, but the Jazz have to have him shoot at that rate, which he can, to be efficient, and they still will be. But if he's able to create for others and be efficient, it puts so much more stress on a defense to defend a seven-footer who's operating, whether it be ball screens or actions, in, in which the the way of success to me is a little more difficult to organize. But I think that's what marketing has to work on in order to stress defenses more, both stress and to stretch, especially with the level of athleticism the Jazz have in their front court. All right, speaking of the front court, Walker Kessler must progress and average likely around 14 and 11 and anchor the Jazz to a defensive rating within the top 15. The Jazz, for reference, were 23rd last year. That's a bit of a leap. I think he's got the capacity to do it. He played for the FIBA team, didn't play very much, but I think he learned. I think the Jazz will have to be good rebounding the ball with the size that they have. Rebounding can actually help you on defense because you'll give up fewer opportunities. And I think that'll be helpful. And I also think the Jazz, with their size, will give up fewer blow buys. And, and if Agbaji plays with Clarkson, um, more with the positionless basketball being bigger at each position, I think will help the Jazz defensively. And I, I attribute a lot of that to Walker Kessler's growth and more playing time. All right, next up, the Jazz cannot deal Jordan Clarkson if they're going to overachieve and make the playoffs. They they re-signed him, but if you look at the contract, it is pretty conducive to being a trade asset. The Jazz could do this, and it may help them in the long run. But if I'm talking about this immediate future success, the Jazz have to keep Jordan Clarkson. And Jordan Clarkson, much like Lowry Markton, will have to grow as a facilitator. He had a career high in assists. He did better at that. But I think the ball will be in his hands even more this year should he be a long-term member of the Utah Jazz and not be on the trade market. And if the Jazz are going to overachieve, I think Jordan Clarkson is going to have a, a sensational year. And maybe maybe his scoring takes a slight cut, but his assist numbers grow. And that, may, could, that could help the Jazz because Clarkson's a tough shot maker, tough shot taker. Maybe the Jazz get a few easier shots because Jordan Clarkson improves his facilitation. We'll see. Next up, the point guard spot shared between Sexton, THT, and maybe Keontae George has to be moderately efficient. I, I'm not saying that I think either of them are going to be unbelievably efficient, but I do think you're going to see fewer isolation opportunities for these players. I think Colin Sexton may have some more, but a lot of what's going to be drawn up is playing to his strength, which is getting to the rim, putting pressure on the rim. And I think there's going to be more pick and rolls between he and Walker Kessler. I think there's going to be more opportunities for Colin Sexton to attack closeouts as the ball swings around and it's not necessarily always in his hands. And he doesn't have to couple uh, the, the am I a point guard, am I a scorer? I think the balls that that responsibility is going to be taken off of his shoulders a little bit and allow him to play more freely and be the scorer he was in Cleveland, though there are greater expectations here in Utah than there were in Cleveland when he was a 24 points per game scorer. Next up, Ochag Baji will need to defend at a level that makes him a team stopper. I'm not saying he's quite the defender that Davion Mitchell is, but he will need to be comparable in, in terms of the role that makes him, whether he's a starter or off the bench, a must-play player and who whose minutes go up in the playoffs because he's got the level of athleticism that is unique enough in the NBA to warrant 
hey, this guy needs to be on the court because he can stop the opposition. Today's game is driven by wings. I listed all these really good players. With the exception of exception of Jokic, just about all of them were perimeter-oriented and players that Agbaji may draw the assignment for. So I think he's going to take a leap as a defender. I think he'll shoot better than he did at the beginning of the year last year. Towards the end, he got tired, but he had a flame-throwing stretch. I think he'll somewhere regress to the mean and be a good three-point shooter, but his defense needs to take strides. Not to say he was bad. I just think that the Jazz need a lot of growth, but first-year to second-year players typically do grow quite a bit, and I'm pretty optimistic about Agbaji's chances of doing so. If I were Ochi Agbaji, I would watch a lot of Reggie Bullock and Danny Green film and, and try to emulate them as best as possible. The Jazz also could expe- exceed expectations and make a playoff appearance, even instead of a play-in, if they stay healthier than these other teams and play harder than these other teams. That's a big deal. Like Some of these teams that I mentioned have health issues. The Clippers is one. They're, I think they're going to make the playoff regardless of what their health issues are. But the Utah Jazz have a young team that, knock on wood, and as you can hear right here, I'm knocking on wood, hasn't had too many health scares, a team that has good chemistry, only have a few moving pieces, one of which is thrilled to be in greener and greater pastures than John Collins. And I think the Jazz have the hunger to be a team that can play fast and play hard. Like the, that's why I mentioned the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies a few years ago weren't particularly skilled. They weren't as refined as they were this past season. And yet they were able to win a playoff series and get home court advantage against the Minnesota Timberwolves two seasons ago uh, based on heart. Like they, they played harder than everyone in the regular season. I think the Jazz could be that type of team that plays harder, faster, and more tenaciously more often than other teams. They may not have the level of talent to end up winning in the playoffs, but I think that can get you the playoffs. That could get you even into the playoff rather than the play in because some of these teams are going to go through ups and downs. They're going to have drama. They're going to have health issues. They're going to have, hey, we're not going to rest our player, but we're not going to try with this player as hard today. And they're going to be more reliant on one individual player than the Jazz are on their team. So that's the way I think the Jazz can make a playoff run. I'm not saying they're going to be a true contender. That, that's years away. The Jazz's real true contention lies with the growth of Keontae George. Maybe one other T you'd like to see is maybe Keontae George is, is an efficient scorer, and you say, well, that raises our ceiling for the future. But it doesn't help you too much in the, uh, the near term unless he is just unbelievable. And if he is, I will be thrilled. I will be absolutely thrilled. Well, that'll do it for me. Thanks for making Locked on Jazz your first listen and with your second tune into Locked on NBA and come back for more Locked on Jazz later this week with what players hold the keys to a successful season. And I'll talk more about the X factors that they possess rather than just little things that each can improve like I gave you tidbits of today. Thank you for listening and let me know again in the comments below what you think of this Utah Jazz team and how they can overachieve, if they can overachieve, or what your what your expectations are. Maybe my expectations are a little more tempered than some of yours, and this isn't considered overachieving. So please let me know. And as always, go Jazz.